16 weeks, 13 wins, and one long playoff run ahead of us. This is Packers Playoff Preview. And the Packers will take the number one seed in the NFC into the postseason. Our mission, a Lombardi Trophy. Our target, Tampa. Our playoffs start now. This is Target Tampa, Packers Playoff Preview. Now, here are your hosts, Greg Matzik and Gabe Neitzel. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Mission Impossible? I think not. I'm digging <laughs> this, man. I'm digging this. <laughs> Going to have a lot of fun on the program tonight. Welcome in. It is our Target Tampa Packers playoff preview. Don't say it five times fast. It doesn't work. I'm Greg Matzik along with Gabe Knight. So we've got two hours to walk you through where the Packers have been, how we got to this point, and what lies ahead on their march toward Tampa. Mark Tauscher is going to join us at... About 25 minutes from now, we've got Wayne Larravee and Jason Wilde also joining us on the program. And uh, looking forward to hearing from you, taking your pulse on where this Packers team is after a 13-3 and season. I must admit, Gabe, I feel differently this year than I did a year ago. I think it's, I mean, but I think you should feel differently. When you look at what this team has done, yes, the record is the same at 13-3. I didn't think they'd get back to 13-3 and this year, but I thought that there was an opportunity for this team to be better. They had some things break their way last year. I mean, how many times in two, during the 2019 season did it seem like the Packers got off to a hot start and then at the end, the defense is making a play, they hold on for dear life, get a stop at the goal line, interception in the end zone, and it ends up being like this 24-17, 24-20 game where they just come out on top. It felt like that was happening a lot last year, and they were very fortunate to be 13-3. and Now, they took advantage of it, won a game in the postseason to get to the NFC Championship game. But the other part about that was San Francisco was always looming. There was nothing they did after they were demolished in San Francisco during the middle of the regular season to make you feel like they had an opportunity to go in there and pull off an upset against San Francisco the second time around. That's exactly what happened. This team just feels different. And I think, A, because there's no San Francisco, and B, maybe the Packers are that team. I mean, I don't think they're a dominant run team, but they're the number one seed with the number one scoring offense in the league MVP. And I feel like that is something that has been overlooked this entire week of people talking about this matchup of what the Packers are right now. So and I think that's that's part of what I'm getting at. And I'm curious to know what you think. When you watch the Packers play right now, you've watched them play an entire season. They are 13-3. and three. Do you feel like you're watching the best team in the NFC, the NFL? Are you looking at a Super Bowl team? 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us. It's 855-616-1620. There was a little bit of smoke and mirrors in the unknown last year because the one-score games, you could talk about the Packers' grit all you want, but that's another way of saying it nicely, I guess. But there were some one-score games that you kind of scratched your head about and said, well, a win is a win. This year, it was blowout city, by and large. And there were some squeakers and character-building wins. I get all that. But the amount of times the Packers were above 40, I've never seen it. And to your point on San Francisco... Man, I never thought the Packers had a shot in San Francisco. We talked a good game. Here's what they need to do. If the Niners can just, if they can be pulled out of their game plan, no. There was a talent gap. There was a significant talent gap. And the Buccaneers are solid. The Saints are solid. The Packers have the home field advantage. I believe there's something to that. 
the separation between the top and bottom of what's left in the playoffs is less than it was a year ago. But I do think the Packers are on top of that NFC list. All these NFC teams have flaws. I mean, Green Bay able to beat New Orleans. They don't beat Tampa Bay, but New Orleans beats Tampa Bay twice, and it's it's about matchups and how you match up with these teams. And I'm not saying that if the Packers happen to win this weekend, and so does Tampa Bay, that we're going to see a repeat of what we saw down in Tampa earlier this season. But that's a matchup that concerns me a little bit more than most um, in terms of what's left in the NFC. These teams have flaws. They do. There's no dominant team in the NFC. But you're right. I mean, the Packers are at the top. There's been a narrative all season long, and I contributed to the narrative, but I think we have to throw it out of the Packers don't have enough talent around Aaron Rodgers. They had six All-Pros this year. Six all six guys make that All-Pro list. Granted, one of them not available, David Bakhtiari out for the season with the knee injury, but this is a talented Packers team. Last year, it felt like they were this scrappy underdog bouncing back after the firing of Mike McCarthy, first year new head coach. That's not the narrative for this team this year. 855-616-1620. We'll put it up on social. Check us out on Twitter, at 620 WTMJ, at ESPN Milwaukee. It's a simple question. When you watch the Packers, do you believe you are watching the best team in the NFC and or NFL? Let's talk to Ray in Illinois. Welcome to Packers Playoff Preview. Hey, Ray. Hey, I I can't even say that five that one time fast. Guys. I have to Good slow evening. down. I know I have to ease my way through it. Thanks, Ray. Yes, you do. Um, hey, listen, um, I, I do feel like the Packers are the best team in the NFC. I, I'm not sure they're up to Kansas City's level. It would be great if they get to the Super Bowl and the Chiefs get there, rematch the Super Bowl one, we'll and see that happen. But uh, I do think they're a Super Bowl team. Now, if you'd asked me about uh, a month ago, I would have said the Packers weren't a Super Bowl team, mainly because of the defense. I think the offense can play with anybody, and – I am concerned about this weekend, but I think if they can give them enough time, Aaron Rodgers can pick any secondary apart. But the defense has really rounded into nice form. And I think because of that, I do feel like this is the best team in the NFC. Um, I'm concerned about, yeah, I'm kind of concerned. This weekend's the game that really concerns me. I think they can take New Orleans or Tampa Bay in Lambeau, but. Um, um, definitely the NFC. I'm not sure they're better than Kansas City in the AFC. Though. Let me let me try to ease your concerns <laughs> about the game Please coming up sure. on Saturday. I've, I just two words. I just want to see how you feel. Say you know, I'm just going to say them. I want to know how you feel after I say it. Jared Goff. That make you feel any better? That's yeah. that's the quarterback it, it, for the it, Los it, Angeles Rams. It it does um, it does make me feel better. Um, the other thing that. Um, I, the other, it doesn't make me feel better from that side. Um, I agree with what Larry said on the show this afternoon. I'm not impressed with the Rams' offense. I mean, they, they, they barely scored 24 points or 23 points, whatever it was, last Saturday against uh, Seattle. And um, so, so I definitely feel good about the matchup if, of uh, our defense against their offense. Um, like I said, I, I think my concern is in the trenches. Our offensive line's done it all year long, and I think if they can hold off some of these front guys for and give Aaron Rodgers the time, which they've done all year, I have no reason to doubt they won't, but it is a concern, he, he can pick them apart. Devontae Adams has gone against the best all year. He's going to be fine against the secondary, and you know they got a, you, you just said it, Greg. There's all kinds of weapons around Rodgers that, and stuff. I mean, he's got the people, so... Uh, definitely, Gabe, that, that uh, makes me feel a little bit better. And, uh, 
you know, we'll just see what happens. Appreciate the phone call, Ray. If you'd like to weigh in, it's 855-616-1620. I want to get Tausch's take. He's going to join us at 625. Who does give the Rams the best chance to win at quarterback? Because a week ago, I'm not sure how much it was Jared Goff's thumb is all out of whack versus Jared Goff isn't playing well right now and doesn't appear to have a lot of confidence. If Jared Goff's thumb were all good to go, does John Walford still start at quarterback? I'm not sold the answer is no to that question. It kind of seems that way. The report's coming out of Los Angeles about how Goff was upset last week because he thought once he would, you know, had the surgery, yes, he had to sit out a week 17 and Walford uh, ended up starting in that game. He thought that, okay, I get the week to prepare, I'll be ready to go. He didn't get that week. It was Wolford who was taking most of the snaps. Now, he's going to be unavailable because of a stinger last week, so they're stuck with Goff, and Blake Bortles is going to be their active backup for this upcoming game. But I don't know how much Sean McVay trusts Jared Goff right now, with or without an injured thumb. Do you feel like you're watching a Super Bowl team when you watch the Green Bay Packers play? I do. I feel differently than I did a year ago. I was confident in what was being built, but I was never confident the Packers could beat the 49ers. I'm confident the Packers can beat anybody in their way heading into this postseason. 855-616-1620. Jared Goff puts the awful in golf. It's golful. It's been golful for Jared Goff. And he doesn't have a lot of opportunities in cold weather. Two opportunities. The team is one and one. Goff's line includes five interceptions and no touchdowns. I get all the talk about the number one rated defense and the highest scoring offense. What's the Rams' threshold? How many points do they have to score if they're going to win this game. 28. I was saying 27. I don't think they can do it. I, I just don't see it, right? I mean, the, the only way it could happen is if Cam Akers goes bonkers, right? Like Cam Akers has been getting a lot of, uh, to me, he's been getting, getting a lot of attention as of late. And he had a good game last week against Seattle. He's had a couple of good games here and there. But he's not to the level of running back, to me, from what the Packers have seen the last couple of weeks. I really like David Montgomery. I think he's a, he's a pretty talented runner. Um, the, the Packers seem to handle him. I mean, the Packers did a great number in Week 16 against the league's leading rusher and Derrick Henry. Held him to 100, under 100 yards. That was the first time in like nine road games that Henry hadn't gone bananas on, a, on an offense. This run defense has gotten better. They've found a way to kind of mix and match some of their different personnel in order to stop the run. And that, to me, is the only way that the Rams are going to be able to score points. Akers goes bananas. They get a couple of play-action shots over the top. I want to go through the injury report coming up on the other side. There are some interesting nuggets to pull from there. Also, Aaron Donald meeting with the media. will have some of his comments. Will he play? How does he feel going into Sunday's matchup? Packers and Rams should be a good one from Lambeau Field. A 335 kick. Our coverage will begin at noon on WTMJ Radio and the Packers Radio Network. Also, coming up in a few moments, Mark Tauscher will join us. He'll weigh in on this weekend's matchup. It's the Packers Playoff Preview. We continue after this. Third and about four, snap to Rodgers, blitz on. Rodgers lofts it deep down the middle. Got a man out there. It's MVS, and he is Gone! 10-5! End zone! Touchdown! Green Bay Packers! 72 yards! Well, you talk about an X-Factor player. MVS could be that guy. We'll get into that more coming up in hour number two of our Packers playoff preview. Greg Matzik and Gabe Neitzel with you until 8 o'clock. 855-616-1620 is the talking text line if you'd like to weigh in. Do you feel like you're watching a Super Bowl team, the best team in the NFL, 
when you watch the Green Bay Packers play. It's our poll question of the night. We'll read through some of the answers and responses coming up in just a moment. And uh, Greg Hill is our producer, and he's saying, uh, we, really, we have, we have Aaron Donald on the line? Oh, this was unexpected, Gabe. Oh, wow. Uh, I didn't. I, the, the guy's very busy. I know they're on a different time zone, so it's a little after 4 o'clock. Presumably meetings are done. Uh, Aaron Donald uh, apparently practicing uh, with the team just in a very limited fashion, doing his workouts. Uh, let's bring him in. He had an injury last week against the Seattle Seahawks. Aaron, uh, how are you doing? How is the rib injury? Feel good. Feel real good. Okay. Well, good to hear. So any, any pain, anything bothering you at all? No pain. No, no pain at all after that rib injury. Russell Wilson landed on you. Is that what happened, Aaron? How can you describe the injury and what you're feeling? Man, my damn side is just sore. I'm good. The damn side is just sore. Oh, okay, sure. Aaron, well, we're out of time. I appreciate you joining the program tonight. Uh, there you have it. Looks like Aaron Donald will play. Aaron Donald is a tremendous... I mean, he's he's clearly the, the, the one disruptor. And, and I think it got a lot of people's attention last week. If you watched the game, Troy Aikman called him the best defender that he's ever seen. And... You know, Troy said, hey, I played against Reggie White. I play, He listed off a number of different defenders, and he said Aaron Donald's the best defender I've ever seen. And look, Aaron Donald is a disruptor. He's going to be very tough to go up against. And, and we had a caller earlier who was concerned about the Packers' offensive line, which is beat up. But they've been able to reshuffle all season long, and they are anchored by a first-team All-Pro center in Corey Lindsley. Like, Corey missed some time this year and was still voted first-team All-Pro. That's how good he has been this year. I feel so confident with him and Elton Jenkins in the middle of that off- that that line. That's not saying that they're going to completely neutralize Aaron Donald because I don't know if a team's done that all season long, but in terms of finding a way to kind of limit the damage that he does... I have the most confidence in the Packers' offensive line versus any other offensive line. A quick look at the injury report suggests that Kingsley Kiki will not play. Snacks Harrison likely to get a little bit more time on Saturday. As for the Rams, this is part of the issue. Jared Goff is going to play. He's two weeks removed from a thumb injury that required surgery on his throwing hand. Not just thumb injury, thumb surgery. Right, and it's a, a swollen mess right now, and he did not look comfortable against the Seattle Seahawks. Aaron Donald, an all-world player, has got a rib injury. I've never had a rib injury, but those who have spoken of rib injuries, it's not exactly comfortable to, I don't know, breathe or extend your arms. Wait, is is breathing important? Yeah, I mean, geez. And then Cooper Cup, oh, he'll be fine, right? Well, he didn't practice today. He's got bursitis, so you got to drain that sucker every so often. I just think it's, it's too much to overcome here for an offense that has it really it sort of hit I don't want to say rock bottom, but they're just sort of gliding in neutral. And yes, Cam Akers has become a thing. The rookie running back, they're riding him the last month because they've had issues in other areas. I just don't see how they're going to be able to stretch the field. And if the Packers can dial up a game plan defensively like they did against Tennessee, you got to feel pretty good about this. It's a limited injury report for the Packers. Granted, Bakhtiari's out. I like the Bears game as a regular season finale slash tune-up to the postseason because this is probably a little better front than the Bears, but they're in the same conversation. When you look at the Rams and how they finished the season, it's not very good. Like, they they lost to the New York Jets. Like, can we bring that up? I mean, I just can't get by that. I mean, they lost. <laughs> it's so hard to get by to that. The Jets, and that's not to say that they can't beat the Packers because they can, right? Like, th- there's a possibility that they do that, but I feel confident about this Packers team. This is probably the most confident I've been in a Packers playoff team since the last time they had a realistic chance of of going to a Super Bowl 
and that's 2014. I just feel confident in this team. Look at, again, the Rams, they lost to the Jets. They scored nine points against Seattle. Yeah, they beat Arizona in, in their finale by scoring 18 points. They won that game 18-7. to Now, a couple backup quarterbacks ended up playing. Kyler Murray was hurt, kind of floating in and out of that game. And, and John Wolford did get some time in that game for Arizona before starting the playoff game. They scored 23 against Seattle last week. They had the pick six on a interception that hadn't happened all season long. An interception return for a touchdown on a wide receiver screen. First time all season that it, that had, had happened. This is a Rams team that got into the playoffs, kind of limped their way in, going two and one and two down the stretch, and they didn't look great last week. I didn't think that they looked awesome against the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, the defense looked all right, but that's a Seahawks offense that over the last six weeks of the regular season had really struggled. Packers will be home throughout the playoffs so long as they are playing. Very important for Aaron Rodgers. This is a legacy-defining moment for Rodgers in his career, not only in the NFL, but as a member of the Green Bay Packers. It's hard enough to be considered the best quarterback ever to play in Green Bay, much less a top-10 or top-5 quarterback in NFL history. Rodgers recalls the run that led Green Bay to its last Super Bowl and the road ahead in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I might pull it out once a year maybe. I don't don't look at it a whole lot. Um, It's a special... uh, relic from a special season Uh, a lot of great memories that year a lot of great personalities Uh, that group had so many interesting guys from howard green driving his car you know from new york down to i think mississippi or louisiana where he's from and then rerouting and coming to us and just what a great personality he was bj raji uh, and everything he brought to the table my dear friend aj hawk you know being such a rock for us charles woodson in the speeches late in the year uh, Matt Wilhelm joining our card game on the roads and, and what he did for our special teams that year. James Starks coming off the pup when everybody was wondering who the heck this guy was from Buffalo and rushing for 100 yards in the first game of the playoffs. Jordy coming into his own really in the in the Super Bowl and, and kind of uh, making that a trampoline for his career, becoming our number one for a, for a few years, number of years, I guess, and just what a big game he had. Uh, Greg and the just, you know, the big plays we had in the Super Bowl, uh, squeezing that one in between Clark and Palomalu and then him talking about wanting a corner out, which ended up being kind of the winning score and hitting him down the middle on third and 10 um, on 27 Tampa. A lot of, a lot of great memories. Uh, the embraces after the game with Mike, and Clay and John Kuhn and Corliss. It's a, it's a special special moments that kind of stick in your brain. People ask me all the time, how come you haven't watched the Super Bowl ever? And I always say, I got all the memories right here, man. They, they stay fresh on the brain. Four games on the road for the Packers, including the Super Bowl. All the games leading up to the Super Bowl will be at Lambeau Field. Let's bring him in, a Packers Hall of Famer. You hear him on ESPN Wisconsin. It's Wildey and Tausch, 9 to noon on weekdays. It's uh, Packers Hall of Famer Mark Tauscher. Well, that's a nice welcome there for Tausch. Tausch, did the Packers dodge a bullet this week? They brought in Jared Valdir. He ends up on the COVID reserve list and doesn't look like he's going to play this weekend. Who knows about the rest of the postseason? Well, this is kind of a dicey last 24 hours in Green Bay. It is, and I, I don't think, you know, I'm not a COVID expert. I don't know exactly how long this stays and how transmittable it is. But I think there's a, a couple of days that people have their fingers crossed. Uh, you, you know, you hope he practiced, what, two days ago, gets announced yesterday. So you're hoping get to Saturday, 
get to this game and then with no positive tests, get your full group out there. And then hopefully Valdir, you know, he can be back, I think, before the NFC Championship game. So, you, you, you know, you'd like bringing him in. You're excited about that move. And then all of a sudden that happens yesterday. You get a little angst. You dodged a bullet today. Now let's hope the next two days are the same. Are the Packers flying under the radar despite being the number one team in the NFC? You look at the other NFC matchup, you've got Breeze versus Brady. It's it's getting more attention, understandably so, because it's the first time and possibly the only time that those two Hall of Fame quarterbacks will go head-to-head in a postseason game. Over in the AFC, you have the defending champion. I feel the Buffalo Bills are kind of a feel-good story with the run that they've been on. Are the Packers flying under the radar? I don't think so. I, I get where you're coming from, Gabe. I, you know, it is Tampa, New Orleans. You got the they're the primetime game, and Green Bay actually's kind of thrown in the slot that probably is the least desirable of all of them. But I think it's just people are assuming Green Bay is in a great position to get to an NFC Championship game. Uh, if you watch them play, and you know, I think nationally there's a high expectation, but I don't think there's a big expectation that the Rams are going to be able to pull this off. So, yeah, I think you could say that when you start factoring in everything else, that maybe they are flying under the radar a little bit, but I, it just sounds absurd to say because all of the attention that Aaron Rodgers garners nationally and locally, uh, this team is ready to rock and roll, and after this weekend it'll be, you know, if things go the way I think a lot of us expect, you're going to be hearing a lot more about it. Taos, take me through your first playoff experience, what the week was like leading up to the game, the messaging, what practices were like, and then coming out of the tunnel. Well, I think when you when you start getting into the playoffs and you, you look at, you know, it, it, do you want to do anything differently? Do you want to add any extra focus? And, you know, the answer is it's natural that you're going to. But you want to make it as regular as you possibly can, even when you're dealing with a Saturday game. You got that by. You just want to get back into your routine, and then you know you're, this, the week is one day faster. You're going to be you know, practicing Tuesday is going to be your Wednesday practice, and Wednesday Thursday, and you just want the game to get here because all the buildup, all the talk, you're hearing all the narratives. At some point, and I bet you that point is today. These guys just they're chomping to get out there and go play. So you're not going to do a ton different. You just recognize that any mistake can get you beat. And that's an added pressure that you kind of put on yourself and the team as a whole. And you want to get that out of your system. You want to just get out there and get back to playing as soon as you can. So from a practice perspective, I was watching some footage of the guys coming out of the tunnel. It appears to be a loose group. What is the balance of maintaining focus, knowing the gravity of the situation, but also not being too uptight? Yeah, it's it's a tough balancing act, and I think what you really want are your guys just to be the, their normal selves. It, you you want everybody understands. I don't think you have to really even talk about you know the gravity of the games and how it's a one and done situation if you don't put your best foot forward. You want to get to where your guys are loose and having fun and playing. And there's not the sloppy errors and the sloppiness. It's a focused, you want to have a tight focus, but you want your guys to feel free and relaxed. And that is a hard balance to find. And you can't get it from everybody. I think there, you have to kind of get into the flow of the game. And that's why I think in the beginning of playoff games, you see a lot of you know, maybe more tightness, some errant throws, some different things early because that moment can sometimes be bigger. That's why experience matters, and that's why just getting out there, getting your feet wet, 
but getting settled into a game is so critical. A real big strength of this team is the offensive line, two first-team All-Pros in, in Bakhtiari and Lindsley, but both of those guys have had injuries. What's made this offensive line so good that they've been able to sustain excellence despite having the injuries at those two key positions? Yeah, I think it's versatility. And the fact that you have two guys that are starters uh, already and they can bounce around. If, if you talk Elton Jenkins, what he's been able to do, I, I don't know any other offensive lineman in the NFL that could play every position and then start games at center, get all the calls, do everything that they're asking him to do. And then for Billy Turner to step in, you know, he's fighting for his job in the training camp. He's hurt early in the season. He starts at right tackle, and he's at right guard. Debach gets hurt. He goes to left tackle, and he's answered the bell. So to have two guys that are your starters that are, A, selfless enough to say, I'm going to bounce around and do whatever's best for the team, but then to be able to go out and perform at a high level and let the guys that come in to fill in just settle into their job, it is really a valuable asset. And I think those guys, both of those guys, deserve a ton of credit for being as seamless as they were jumping into these situations. The last time I was this confident, Gabe talked about being 2014. I did feel good about how that team was ascending, Tausch. Uh, but I remember the week leading up to the NFC Championship game at Lambeau, frigid conditions, here come the Giants, Packers on a roll, ended up being Favre's last game. I don't know that the team was overconfident. You could perhaps tell me a little bit more about that. Uh, that's the last time I felt supremely confident about the Packers' Super Bowl chances. I, th- there is a little bit of that, isn't there, where we feel good, man. we got a great thing going. Yeah, that other team is beat up. I, does that ever seep into the locker room? Uh, you try to not let that happen, but I think you know, going back to that 2007 championship game, we were expecting to have to go down to Dallas, and then watching that game on a Sunday – all of a sudden, the Cowboys get beaten. You're excited because, hey, it's got to come through Lambeau. Temperature, you know, the forecast, getting tickets, getting all that situated, just expecting that to happen. And then, you know, you, you get rocked a little bit. The Giants came in and out physicaled us, played better, and they went on. So you, you get that feeling, and home field is a great thing. It can also be a little bit of a crutch. You can expect that to, you know, do more for you. Once you get out on the field, you got to play. And I think this team, they've really, I think, peaked. The defense is peaking at the right time. That is a confident group, and there is no doubt. We heard Aaron Rodgers on one of those NFL Films videos talking to Jordy about wanting to get one of these at home. Well, opportunities are here. You win here. You're playing at home in an NFC Championship game. That gives you a big advantage. Then, you, but you have to go out and finish it and take advantage of that advantage. Appreciate you, pal. It's Packers Hall of Famer Mark Tauscher, Wildy and Tausch, 9 to noon weekdays on 94.5 ESPN. A little applause to take out Tausch. Enjoy the game, buddy. Oh, that's nice. Isn't that nice? Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> that production value is something. Coming up next, you think the Rams have a good defense? Here's a number you're not thinking about. It's after this on our Packers Playoff Preview. Almost five yards to go. Just outside the Philadelphia 25. Snap Rodgers, rush on, four-man rush. A-Rod in the pocket. Escapes traffic. Now lofts it. Right side. And he's got Tunyon. Touchdown! Rodgers nearly sacked. Able to escape and found Tunyon wide open down the right side. One of the many great highlights from a offensively charged season of football for the Green Bay Packers. We'll have a complete rundown. One highlight 
from each and every game played by the Packers this season. We'll do it to wrap up the hour. This is the Packers Playoff Preview. I'm Greg Matzik along with Gabe Deitzel. When you watch the Packers play, do you feel like you're watching the best team in the NFL? Our poll question is up. 50 votes in. 70% believe yes. We've got Mike chiming in on the text line saying the Packers are a Super Bowl team so long as the second half offensively challenged team doesn't show up. So this was kind of an interesting quirk throughout the regular season, Gabe. In games in which the Packers just looked clunky, something didn't go right, why are the Jaguars still hanging around? Boy, can they stop Delvin Cook? The Packers were outscored in the third quarter, and there were five games this season in which the Packers scored zero points in the third quarter, which is amazing when you compare that to how they started games. Eight times during the regular season, they put a tutty on the board in their first opportunity. So that scripted 15, that was working. Whatever happened after halftime, that was kind of a mixed bag. Yeah, best team in the NFL in terms of scoring points on opening possessions because they also had some field goals in there as well. Um, they, I believe, set an NFL record for points scored in the second quarter. So the first half, clearly clearly what you were looking for. But yeah, there were some times where that, that third quarter became an issue. You think back to the Colts game, which was one of the three losses where they had an issue. You think about that Bears game, although I mean they got off to a slow start in the, in, in the third quarter of the Bears game. MVS had the drop. They just didn't have opportunities because the Bears just were, were trying to play the time of possession game, keeping it away from Aaron Rodgers, and, and the Packers finished them off in the fourth quarter. Um, the, the third quarter, for whatever reason, just has been an issue for the Packers this season. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to weigh in. Yeah, I don't know the reason for it specifically other than teams you know, perhaps making adjustments and it being year two of Matt LaFleur and he himself, I think, makes adjustments and learns somewhat on the fly. And no doubt about the talent level, what the key team is capable of doing. Another common trait in their losses was you know, protecting the football. Think about how that game turned sideways against Tampa Bay. My point is this. The Packers are a better team than the Rams. It's not to take anything away from the Rams and what they're capable of, but I feel like if the Packers protect the football, they will win this game. That's the one aspect that typically stands out in a playoff game and helps determine wins or losses. But I just can't see the Aaron Rodgers-led offense being held to under 27 points in this game. I think they hit their average. I think the Rams will be challenged to get 27 on the board, and I do think it's a seven-point win. The the difference with this team that I think of, especially when it comes to the postseason, when you think about other teams for the Packers that have come off buys, and last year they came off a bye and they looked good against Seattle, and I know during the regular season the Packers have not looked good coming off of a bye. 0-2 during the regular season under Matt LaFleur coming off of a bye. Off of a bye last year, postseason, beat the Seahawks. Um, but you think about that 2011 team when things just went completely sideways in that game against the Giants where they were 15-1. and Yes, they rested Aaron Rodgers two weeks in a row because they had the bye. I think the main difference for me between a team like that, if Aaron Rodgers just seems a touch off, because there might be some rust to start the game and, and he might take a little bit to get going. They've got running backs that they can rely on. Whether you're talking about Aaron Jones, who is the one you should be relying on because of how explosive he can be. A.J. Dillon obviously showed what he could do late in the season against the Tennessee Titans. Jamal Williams has answered the call when his number has come up for the Packers as well. The running game, to me, is what separates this team from Packers' offenses past where, okay, Aaron Rodgers, maybe he's got a slow start in him. Well, then you turn around and you hand it off and you rely on those guys behind you. 
855-616-1620 if you'd like to weigh in. Got another note here from the 262 saying the biggest thing the Packers have going for them, McCarthy's gone. The team is a much better coached team. There's an element of that that I believe is true. Do you remember a playoff game in which the Packers totally avoided Richard Sherman? Let's just stay away from Richard Sherman. Well, that was don't throw the ball toward Richard Sherman. That was the first game of the 2014 oh, regular yes. season. Uh, it was a primetime game Thursday night. Seahawks coming off of uh, of, of a Super Bowl, and the the Packers essentially sacrificed Jarrett Boykin's career that night because Jarrett had come off. He was the third receiver at the time for the Packers. Um, you know, he, he had okay numbers in 2013. There were high hopes that this was a young receiver. They put him up against Richard Sherman because Richard Sherman didn't travel and get you know within that Seahawks cover three scheme. And they didn't look at a Jarrett Boykin that entire night. And I don't know if Jarrett Boykin's been looked at ever since as an NFL wide receiver. They essentially sacrificed Jarrett Boykin. They didn't do that in 2014 NFC Championship game. Yes, Richard Sherman ended up having an interception. But they they decided that that obviously didn't work. They got their doors blown off in that game. So they were more aggressive and made that adjustment in, in the 2014 NFC Championship game. There was a component of Mike McCarthy's offense that illustrated the beauty, timing, and chemistry of Aaron Rodgers and his receivers. It was the back shoulder throw. RIP to the back shoulder throw. Not that it doesn't exist, but it only seems to exist with one guy, and that's Devontae Adams. Guys are being schemed open. Guys are in space. In Mike McCarthy's offense, the talented group that they had was told to win their one-on-one matchup. Go out and win. We have five wide. They can't guard us all. Our number three is way better than their nickel, and our tight end can run by anybody. Linebacker safety doesn't matter. You cannot beat us. Yeah, well, that was nice when you had Greg Jennings and Donald Driver and Jordy Nelson, and and the team was loaded, and James Jones and Jermichael Finley. As it started to come down to, okay, well, Jordy's hurt. Now we're going to have Devontae here, and Randall Cobb's going to be the number one. That that didn't work, and it was still being force-fed. Win your one-on-one matchups. A thing of beauty when the timing is right but a source of frustration when you've got good cover corners and Aaron Rodgers is being pressured. It is such a different scheme now, and I've got much more faith in the scheme than I have in the last decade of Packers football. This offense, and it's this—it's a very similar offense to what Sean McVay runs. It's it's you know very similar to what Kyle Shanahan runs, but Aaron Rodgers in this offense just becomes dangerous because of what they can do by taking simple things and making it look complicated to the defense. And Aaron Rodgers this year off of play action has been, he's been the best quarterback in football, but a big reason to that is what they've been able to do off play action. It certainly helps when you've got a talented trio of backs behind you, but that's also been the kryptonite for this Rams defense. When you take a look at their numbers and what they have done um, against play action passing, that has what they've struggled with. They've been great in a lot of areas, but play action is not one of them. And the Packers have been the best at play action all season long. And I think that's going to be an area where the Packers are going to be able to take advantage of this Rams defense on Saturday afternoon. Packers and Rams on Saturday, a 335 kick. Los Angeles enters with the best scoring defense in the NFL. How were they on the road? And how were the Packers at home? We'll get you that coming up after this. We'll also go through a game-by-game montage. Johnny Montage over here will put together a highlight package. How did the Packers arrive at their 13-3 and record? We'll wind up our number one of our Packers playoff preview right after this. 
At the 35 at Green Bay, Tannehill gets motion to the left side by the back. Snap to Tannehill under pressure. Hit as he throws the right side. Hit as intercepted. Christian Kirksey, left sidelines. He's across the 40, brought down near the 45-yard line. Tannehill intercepted for the second time today. Preston Smith all over the quarterback. So the Packers' defense, I feel like, is being overlooked going into the playoffs. They are, without a doubt, Gabe, playing their best football of the season and at the right time. If the Packers were allowing, you know, 16, 17 points per game weeks 1 through 6 and then 26, 27 per game in weeks 10 through 16, I might be a little nervous going into this playoff round. But the team is peaking. Here's a number for you. The Rams' defense, best in the league in terms of points allowed, 18.5 per game. That's an incredible total in today's NFL. 23 and a half allowed on the road. Okay. The Rams were four and four away from SoFi. The Packers defense at home allowed 19 and a half points per game. And that includes a game against the Tennessee Titans played in cold weather, a team that came into that particular game, the highest scoring offense in the NFL. I think the Packers defense is being overlooked with regard to their ability to get to the quarterback. We know it's there. It's capable what Darnell Savage did the second half of the season, what Jair Alexander does week in and week out, it's all being overshadowed by the big names that exist on the Rams' defense. You mentioned the 18.5 points per game, and granted, yes, that's the entire season, and it's impressive. You know what the Packers have given up on average during the six-game winning streak to end the season? 18.5 yeah. points per game. It's the exact same. So the Packers' defense, and and yes, the, the opponent quality wasn't always the highest, But as you mentioned, they answered the bell. Everybody pointed to that Saturday game against the Tennessee Titans. That's the game. This is the true test for the Packers. And what did the Packers do? They dominated that game. They put up a 40-burger on offense, and they held the Titans to 14 points. They dominated that game. This is a team that's ready. This defense is playing great. The one name I, I think that deserves a little bit more attention, Adrian Amos. He has really stepped up for the Packers. They loved putting Raven Green in as kind of this hybrid in their dime, and, and he would be this linebacker slash safety that could cover and still play the run. Amos said, hey, I can do that. I can step up. And ever since he's been playing a little bit more closer to the line of scrimmage, he's been making plays. Maybe not interceptions, but he's been making tackles. He's been a short tackler and he's breaking up passes um, for the Packers pass defense on top of that. 13-3 and the regular season record for the Packers. Second year in a row under Matt LaFleur. Just a remarkable start to his career. No coach in Packers history has ever done what LaFleur has in his two years leading the way. Well how did the Packers arrive at their 13-3 and record? Time to take a little look back. This is what they call in the radio business a live mix and not a produced piece. Gabe and I are going to give you a rundown. Every single Packers game of the season, the highlight that helped define that particular game. We begin all the way back in September with an opening week clash against the rival Vikings at Lambeau Field. Aaron Rodgers picked apart a young Vikings secondary in a 43-34 win. Slot right, three receivers right, one to the left from the shotgun, second and ten snap, A-Rod going deep down the right sideline. MVS has it to the end zone for the touchdown! Oh, what a play! He took it away from Cameron Danzler, Marquez Valdez-Scanley, 45-yard touchdown reception. 
Another division rival for the Packers in week two and a different offensive hero. Devontae to the right, single receiver left, Lazard. Give is to Jones up the middle. Breaking free. He's off to the races. Yes, it's going to be secretary at the Belmont. No one will catch him to the end zone. Touchdown, Aaron Jones. 75 yards. One of four touchdowns on the day for Jones to go along with 236 combined yards and a 42-21 win over the Lions. Defense loomed large in the Packers' first road game of the season at New Orleans. Hill takes, fakes the handoff, and fumbles the football. Hit from behind. It's picked up by Zanarius Smith. And he's got it across the 50 into Saints territory. Oh, my goodness. Zanarius Smith decked him, triggered the ball loose, made the recovery. The biggest play of the game to date. Alan Lazard logged 146 yards and a touchdown in a 37-30 win over the Saints. The very next week, the NFL world learned of Bobby Tunyon. Rodgers alone to the gun, takes the snap on third down. Protection holds up initially. Rodgers waits, throws, right side, got a man wide open. Touchdown, and it's Robert Tunyon again, dancing in the right corner of the end zone. There is a penalty marker down, but I believe it's going to be against Atlanta. In Wayne's defense, we still thought it was Tanyan at that point. Aaron Rodgers, four touchdown passes, three to Bobby Tanyan, and a 30-16 win over the Atlanta Falcons. And then things went south in the south. Snap to Rodgers. Looks downfield, throws left side. It's intercepted. Down the right sideline to the end zone for a touchdown. Jamel Dean stepping in front. Of Devontae Adams, the first turnover of the season for the Packers is a pick six for Tampa Bay. Packers' first loss of the season was also their worst game of the season, a 38-10 loss to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in Tampa. A rebound effort was in store the very next week in Houston. They stack two receivers right. Here's the snap to Rodgers. Looks, rainbows, right side. He's got his man, Devontae Adams, to the 10 to the 5, right side to the end zone, cutting it back. Touchdown, Green Bay Packers. One of several all-pro performances for Devontae Adams. 13 receptions, 196 yards, and two scores in a 35-20 win over the Texans. Back home in Week 7, the Packers lost their first NFC North game in the Matt LaFleur era. Delvin Cook. I believe is still running. To the right side of Cousins in the shotgun on third and nine. Snap Cousins in a tight pocket. Swings it out left side. Dalvin Cook cuts it back. Makes the turn. Breaks tackle 40. He's to the 35-30. 25-20. Cook off to the races. To the end zone. Touchdown. Dalvin Cook. 50 yards on a little swing pass from Kirk Cousins. And it's 27-14 to Minnesota. My goodness. The Packers had no answer for Cook. He totaled four touchdowns in a 28-22 win for the Vikings. The team would return to its winning ways, though, against the 49ers in Week 8 with Devontae Adams once again in a starring role. Aaron Rodgers on third and seven. Here's the snap from the shotgun. Good protection. Pump fakes. Lofton left side. Got his man out there. It's Devontae. 40, 30, left sidelines. Tight roping the sidelines. He stepped out of bounds. They're going to mark it back at the 28 yards. line. What a beautiful throw and run by Devontae Adams. Jason Verrett forced him out at the 28-yard line. My goodness. But not all wins are pretty, as evidenced by the Week 9 output against the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars. Play action. Or hang on. Uh, Rogers looking. Lofts the left side of the end zone. Leaping grab. Devontae Adams. Touchdown, Green Bay. Oh, what a beautiful play fake by Aaron Rodgers. And then Devontae Adams on a leaping grab of the left side of the end zone to beat the rookie C.J. Henderson. 
and the Packers have taken a 23-20 lead. Yeah, come-from-behind effort was required in a 24-20 win at Lambeau. Week 9 was a rock fight. Week 10, a shootout against the Colts in Indy. After forcing overtime, the Packers started the extra session with the ball. That drive didn't last long, however. MVS in motion to the left. Rodgers quick toss. MVS left side. Got one block. Fumble the football. Up for grabs and the Colts gathered in. You're kidding me. Marquez Valdez-Scanling lost the football and the Colts have recovered near the Green Bay 29. And now a field goal can win this game. Recovered by DeForest Buckner. Oh, my goodness. Rodrigo Blankenship would connect on that field goal just a few plays later. The Colts earned a 34-31 win. But a six-game winning streak to finish the season began the very next week against the Bears in Act 2 of the Bobby Tunyon Show. Down an eight, toss fake to Jones. Rolling left, Rodgers winds up, rainbows, Tunyon out there, touchdown! And a rainbow down the middle to Robert Tunyon! They beat Eddie Jackson, the all-pro in the deep secondary. 41-25 the final on that one, and the momentum continued the very next week against the Philadelphia Eagles. MVS off that stack in motion to the left. Give is Darren Jones up the middle. Breaks through. 30, cutting left. 35. He's to the 40. 45 to the 50 down the left sidelines. Still on his feet. Cuts it back. 25-20. He's got a chance to the 10 to the 5 to the end zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Aaron Jones. 77 yards to the north end zone for the dagger. 130 yards rushing for Aaron Jones, and the Packers' defense also recorded seven sacks. Back on the road in Week 14, the Packers' winning ways continue. Aaron Rodgers broke a tie game open in the third. Three receivers bunch on the left. Devontae Solo right. Press coverage on him. Rodgers takes the snap in shotgun. Looks around, scrambles to his left. He can take it himself to the end zone on the run. Touchdown! Aaron Rodgers on a six-yard touchdown scamper. Mason Crosby sealed the win with a 57-yard field goal, 31-24, the final. More Mason the very next week in the December cold at Lambeau. Snap and placement. Kick is end over end to the uprights. And it is good! Crosby again delivers in the cool Wisconsin air from 51 yards. And the Packers extend to a 24-13, 11-point lead, 3.39 to go in the game. 145 yards rushing for Aaron Jones, 143 yards passing for Aaron Rodgers, a 24-16 win over the Carolina Panthers. The primetime lights of Sunday night football shined on the Packers and Titans in Week 16. It was a snow globe at Lambeau. Perfect conditions for rookie running back A.J. Dillon. Fourth down at the Tennessee 29. Give Dillon picks his way. Right side breaks through, and he's off to the races. He is gone. Touchdown. A.J. Dillon does it. 30 yards, and the Packers lead it 32 to 14. A coming out party for Dylan, his counterpart Derrick Henry held under 100 yards as the Packers cruised to a 44-14 win. The regular season finale played in Chicago, a win, and the Packers get the number one seed in the NFC playoffs. Third and about four, snap to Rodgers, blitz on. Rodgers lofts it deep down the middle, got a man out there. It's MVS, and he is gone. 10-5, end zone, touchdown, Green Bay Packers. 72 yards. 
It was a record-setting day for Aaron Rodgers. He threw four touchdown passes, set a new franchise record with 48 for the season, and for the second consecutive season, the Packers finished 13-3 and and earned a first-round playoff bye. 13-3, and the regular season record. The second season begins Saturday against the Rams. Coming up in hour number two of our Packers playoff preview, voice of the Packers Wayne Larravee will join us. We'll also talk to ESPN Wisconsin's Jason Wildey. It's all coming up after this. 16 weeks, 13 wins, and one long playoff run ahead of us. This is Packers Playoff Preview. And the Packers will take the number one seed in the NFC into the postseason. Our mission, a Lombardi Trophy. Our target, Tampa. Our playoffs start now. This is Target Tampa, Packers Playoff Preview. Now, here are your hosts, Greg Matzik and Gabe Neitzel. Welcome back in. It's hour number two of the program. Thanks for joining us this evening. Wayne Larravee will join us coming up in about seven minutes. Jason Wildey will join us coming up at 7.35. Packers and Rams Saturday afternoon from Lambeau Field. The winner will face the winner of the Saints-Buccaneers matchup to be played on Sunday. Hopefully we'll be doing a program somewhat like this in about a week. So the Rams come into town with the best scoring defense in the NFL, a challenged offense, some beat-up stars. What scares you about the Los Angeles Rams? 855-616-1620 if you'd like to weigh in. Also check us out on Twitter at 620WTMJ at ESPN Milwaukee. What scares you about the Rams? Last year, Russell Wilson scared me. He legitimately scared me. And he darn near pulled a rabbit out of his you-know-what in the final moments at Lambeau Field. The running game didn't scare me. The defense of Seattle didn't scare me. Russell Wilson freaked me out. What scares you about the Los Angeles Rams? I think it's Jalen Ramsey. Even more than... um even more than what we've seen from Aaron Donald, because I think the Packers, again, are going to do a decent enough job of slowing him down. That's not to say he's not going to get a sack or disrupt the Packers' run game from time to time because he's that good of a defensive player. But Jalen Ramsey is, I mean, he's just a special cornerback. He's hes a larger version of Jair Alexander. When you look at what Jair has done this year, and it's been fantastic, and Jair was named second-team All-Pro this season, um, Ramsey's kind of done... Very similar things all season long. Not a lot of interceptions because teams aren't going to throw a lot his way. Now, I believe the Packers will be creative with the way they move Devontae Adams around. He doesn't, Ramsey doesn't travel necessarily with the best, you know, receiver where he's going to do what Deion Sanders used to do back in the day, but he also doesn't do what Richard Sherman does and just stay on one side of the field. They will move him around. I'm really curious to see what that matchup looks like. I mean, there haven't been a ton of games where he's gone up against somebody like Devontae Adams this season, so there's not a big sample size. But that's the one thing that that I'm worried about because there have been times this year where Devontae has been slow to get going in the game, and Rodgers will try to force it to him on some RPOs, quick screens, and this is a good tackling team. I don't know how well those quick screens are going to work against the Rams, but Jalen Ramsey is probably the thing that scares me the most. So one thing that stands out to me about Ramsey is that his size is just off the charts, right? As you mentioned, and it's it's like Richard Sherman, Brandon Browner kind of, you know, it just he's long, he's big. It's uncommon in the world of cornerbacks. He's not afraid to hit you and knock you down. But he's also quick and fast. He is. He's all that, <laughs> and all, the, all the above. But, uh, but he's not going to travel with Devontae Adams. So here's what I'm wondering. He's going to be on Adams at some point. Mm-hmm. A handful of plays. 
where is the coverage when Jalen Ramsey is not on Adams? Meaning, do they bracket Devontae? Do they use some sort of system uh, like Jacksonville? We're going to take Devontae out of this game. He is not going to beat us. In which case, maybe Jalen Ramsey's on MVS or Alan Lazard. So as you start to think down the line, Aaron Rodgers' past receiving threats, Adams, Tunyon, Jones, Lazard, MVS, if Devontae Adams is named number one on the scouting report, who among the group has to perform in order for this team to, you know, let's say, reach that 30-point threshold where it's been all year? I mean, I think it comes from the running game, but the one th- the, the one position, I think, and the, and the one guy I think is, is going to do it, I'm looking for Robert Tunyon to have a good game. Um, there have been times with this Rams defense where they've given up big plays. Um, Arnold, who's a tight end for the Rams, had a couple of big plays. Excuse me, a, a, a tight end for the Cardinals had a big couple of big plays against the Rams. You start going through some of their box scores and you start seeing that there have been some tight ends that have been able to get loose against the safeties, against the middle of the field and these linebackers, and I think that's what I mean Robert Tunyon has been overlooked quite a bit this year he's not a pro bowler somehow Bobby Ingram from the New York Giants is a pro bowler instead (laughs) him and his one touchdown catch Um, but I think that this could be another big game especially on a national stage in the continuing of the coming out party that has been 2020 for tight end Robert Tunyon so here's another thing to watch occasionally we have seen Aaron Jones disappear when the competition really elevates and when it's fast and physical on defense uh, we've seen him explode don't get me wrong but there are times where you end up seeing a little more Jamal Williams in the game than you thought, and the the carries are are still somewhat you know even. I, I think that twenty touch mark is critical for Aaron Jones. It leads me to believe that if he's running the ball, the passing attack through play action is going to remain in Matt Lafleur's world. Uh, it would indicate that the pressure on Aaron Rodgers isn't so significant that play action is rendered useless. You just don't have that kind of time. The play action passing game is so critical for Matt LaFleur's offense. And that's how I think players get so wide open and into space. But if they have to pull away from it, I think that plays into the Rams' favor. 855-616-1620. If you'd like to join us on the program, what scares you about the Los Angeles Rams? If you'd like to weigh in with your answer, we'd love to have you. Check us out on Twitter as well. Uh, I am not as worried about the Rams' defensive front as I think many are. I'm not overlooking them, but it's more of what I've seen on tape throughout the season of the Packers' offensive line. If this were game number one without David Bakhtiari, I'd be concerned. The Packers are 4-1 and without David Bakhtiari. They've figured it out. And wins against the Bears and other good defensive fronts have, have shown me... The Bears me, with Akeem Hicks as well. I think that I, was key. That's a big difference. That's a big difference it from is. game one against Chicago versus what we saw in week 17. And they... They still handled Akeem Hicks and what the Bears' front offered. So that's up the middle, right? Akeem Hicks is up the middle. Khalil Mack is typically on the edge. Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd can wreck a game, and Donald's going to move all over the place. It's just something to keep an eye on, but they have handled that interior pass rush uh, rather well, I think, all season long. Time to welcome in the voice of the Green Bay Packers. A round of applause for our good friend Wayne Larravee. Wayne, uh, we're discussing what scares us about the Rams. We do have some votes for Jalen Ramsey, the defensive front four of the Rams, certainly well-documented what they've been able to do. What stands out to you about the Rams that should give you pause? 
Well, Aaron Donald, for one, in the middle of that defense, um, because he's so disruptive right up the middle through the A-gaps. And, you know, most teams bring pressure from the edge, and offenses can often deal with that, especially if it's only coming from one edge. But when you bring pressure up the middle, um, you you no longer have a pocket uh, in the running game. You no longer uh, have, you know, it, 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 the pressure up the middle changes what you want to do, both in the passing game and the running game. So I think that's the number one force the Rams have going for them in this game is Aaron Donald. And he's the one the Packers have spent long hours, I'm sure, planning on what, what they're going to do with him. But I mean, I feel like the Packers are equipped, not that they're going to completely neutralize Aaron Donald because that's so hard to do, but with Elton Jenkins and, and all-pro Corey Lindsley, I feel that they're more equipped than most teams to handle pressure in the face of Aaron Rodgers. Would you agree? You know, it's, it's, the Rams are smart enough to move Donald around on that front, and they do. Um, and I don't know if he'll, how many times he'll line up against El- Elton Jenkins. And the other thing about uh, Donald is I've never seen an interior player get off the ball as fast as he does. I mean, don't and don't talk about double teaming because he's through. By by the time you got your double team over, he's gone. He's in the backfield. So uh, I've never seen anything quite like him as quick as he is. And I agree wholeheartedly with uh, Troy Aikman. He's probably the best defense. Defensive, pure defensive lineman we've seen since Reggie White. And, and that's how the Rams typically win, Wayne, right? They, they keep the score manageable. They usually hold a team under its you know, point total for the regular season. The Packers, of course, the highest scoring team in the NFL. I, Gabe and I have been discussing, we, we don't know how the Rams can score. Right? We're trying to figure out a threshold for them. I, I, I guess I don't see, unless their defense really shines and gets the ball in the end zone, I don't see them scoring more than 24, 25 points. Well, I've looked at their last five games, and Greg, you you bring up a good point because they've been struggling offensively. And before Jared Goff suffered his uh, thumb injury, uh, I believe it was Week 16, um, they were they were struggling. Um, and you know, the coaching staff had kind of lost faith in him a little bit, and he had lost some confidence. Uh, you know, and, and now he's got the thumb injury. Um, now John Wolford, whom they were excited about actually, because he's a guy who. Um, can bring something to the party besides his arm, and, and you know he's he's got a good knack for being able to run the football, that type of thing. He they were kind of excited about the things they could do with him, and they started doing some of those things, and then he got injured in that Seattle playoff game, and Jared Goff came in and you know give him a, a lot of credit for playing uh, injured with a bad thumb. I mean, just ask Brett Favre how tough it is to play a season or play a game with a bad thumb. Um, you know he came in, but the thing that you can't count on with him is his accuracy. But even before that, even before the thumb injury, which would lead to errant passes now that are understandable, he was making bad decisions prior to that, and the offense had stalled. And so the Rams were concerned about that. And, um, you know, I'm not sure they've solved that problem coming into this game. So I think where the Packers have to capitalize, if, if you know, again, with that thumb injury, your accuracy not as good. Um, hey, if somebody throws the football like Jared Goff throws the football to Kevin King, he damn well better catch it. Packers are the number one seed in the NFC for the first time since 2011. This is as good of a Packers team as you've seen since when? 
2014. I don't think it's quite as good as 2014. That was a heck of a football te- uh, team by the end of the season. Um, it's the one that nobody will remember because they went to Seattle and in the last five minutes of that game, uh, you know, uh, things happened and they didn't win. Um, but that team was the last uh, Super Bowl caliber team the Packers have had. I-, I think this one has possibilities. You know, and again, what you have to do is you have to um, grade everything this year on a scale. This is this is a very unusual season. This is not a typical NFL year. Um, the NFC began to collapse uh, last year. It totally collapsed this year. The best teams are in the AFC. The Packers don't have to worry about those AFC teams except one, and that's if they get to the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, this is uh, the, the Packers have a great shot here. They really do. And and I like besides the fact they have home field advantage. I like the way this team has come along in these last several weeks. I thought the Tennessee game was really the eye-opener. The Packers are a good football team. Then you look at All-Pro, okay? They have six players on the AP All-Pro team. You know, you could say all you want. You can get seven or eight players on the Pro Bowl team. That doesn't mean a damn thing, in my opinion. That's just a, that, that's, that's nonsense. But when you get people who, um, uh, you know, who don't have a skin in the game, who rate these players and, and understand who they are, and, um, you know, people who know what's going on, the voters in the uh, AP poll, that means something. And, you know, that goes all the way back to Jerry Kramer's day. He was talking about it in an instant replay, how, you know, when you got selected to that team, the AP All-Pro team, that's the one the players talk about. And I think... You know, the Packers have six players on that team. So this Green Bay team's a good team, Gabe. Gabe, uh, they have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And I would not have said that. I would not have said that last year, and I never did. And I did not say that in 2016. Never said that about those two teams. This team, they've got a chance. There's something about this team that I really like. Wayne, are the Packers' defense being overlooked I think the Packers' defense has made nice strides. I really do. And I think they're playing very well right now. And, Greg, the one thing, the people have missed the point. I've been saying this for weeks now, um, that why is home field so important to the Packers? It's not the weather. It's not even the fans. It's the fact that their defense plays so much better at home. Do you realize they haven't given up 30 points in a game at home since last year's Philadelphia game? You know, that goes way back to the first, what, month or so of the season. So they just play better, it seems like, defensively uh, at home. Um, And that, I think, is the number one reason that that they needed home field advantage. Um, uh, Their defense is better at Lambeau Field for whatever reason. And um, but I think overall, this defense, yes, has gotten better. I thought they played well in Chicago. Sure, they gave up a lot of yards. The Bears control the football. But, you know, you look at what the Packers have done in the red zone in the last several weeks you know uh, think about this in the last 13 opponents trips inside the red zone they've only gotten two touchdowns seven field goals two losses on downs so that's a touchdown rate of 15.4 and the Packers ended up after being really not not very good in the red zone through most of the year they ended up eighth in red zone defense so um, you know I think this team has gotten you know markedly improved over the last six weeks defensively and I think that's really 
that's kind of the underlining of their possibility for the Super Bowl. The offense is going to be there. They're going to get offense. They're going to move the football. But um, defensively, uh, if they have to win a game, can they do that? We know the Rams defense can do that. They won the game in Seattle. They turned that game around, that playoff game. Uh, the Rams defense can score. I mean, they score as much as the offense. Heck, they've got five uh, returns for touchdowns by the defense I'm talking about. So, um, you know, but this Packers defense, I think, it certainly can be good enough uh, to make this Super Bowl run. He is the voice of the Packers, Wayne Larravee, who will be on the call with Larry McCarron Saturday afternoon from Lambeau Field, a 335 uh, kick. We appreciate you, Wayne. Thanks so much for your time. Take care, guys. You do the same. That's uh, Wayne Larravee coming up at 735. Jason Wildey will join us. Coming up next, three words to describe the Packers' season. Can you do it? 855-616-1620. We'll share our thoughts as well. It's the Packers' playoff preview. Play action. Or oh, hang on. Uh, Rogers looking. Lofts the left side of the end zone. Leaping grab. Devontae Adams. Touchdown, Green Bay. Oh, what a beautiful play fake by Aaron Rodgers. And then Devontae Adams on a leaping grab of the left side of the end zone to beat the rookie C.J. Henderson. And the Packers have taken a 23-20 lead. Can you describe the Packers' season in three words? We'll give you a shot. 855-616-1620. can also chime in on Twitter at 620WTMJ. Already got a nugget in on the text line. Don't get COVID. I, I got to tell you, the Jared Valdir thing freaked me out. Freaked me out. Just he- heart <laughs> like, Where did this come from? In the chest. I went from being so excited about roster building depth. You got to have Super Bowl depth, Gabe, right? Talk about it every year. You got to be covered. Jared Valdir comes in. He started for another team at left tackle a week ago, and he's practicing on Tuesday and on the COVID list just a day later. I was nervous. Yikes. Luckily, luckily for the Packers, through the contact tracing, nobody else deemed a high risk, so Valdir only the only Packer as of right now on that COVID reserve list. 855-616-1620. Can you do it? Can you describe the Packers season in three words? We're going to kick it up a notch. We're going to try and describe every remaining team in the playoffs in three words. And that's how it's going to go. Thank you, Greg. Three-word game. Looking for three words. Just three describing the eight remaining playoff teams in the NFL and their season. We'll start here. The Kansas City Chiefs. Gabe, take it away. Um, Flip the switch. Like This is the only team that I have seen that has been able to flip a switch. Like they, it, it seems like they're only comfortable when they're down 10 points or more. Then they flip a switch. Next thing you know, they go up by 20 points. They're leading you 31 to 10. And then they just kind of shut it down for the rest of the game. This is a team that if you jump on them early, you might be able to have a chance. But they're a team that can flip the switch. And with the athletes that they have on the outside, they can flip that switch so fast that you're looking up going, wait, weren't we just up? How are we down by 20? It's unbelievable. It's the only team I've been able to see, uh, that I've seen in the NFL that's been able to do this. Yeah, ask the Houston Texans and Tennessee Titans. Uh, I'm along the same line as you. Deficits don't matter. It doesn't. Rusty, it doesn't matter. Uh, they can just blitzkrieg you, knock you down in a minute. Two play drives, 80 yards. All of a sudden, Sammy Watkins is like, wait, oh, yeah, he's good in the playoffs. That That's what happens. Wait, how, like, weren't we supposed to? We had someone covering Sammy on this play, didn't we? How is he the only one in the screen? And for the second consecutive year, they go into the playoffs without their 
incumbent starter at running back. They've got issues at running back for the second consecutive year. Didn't really seem to matter in year number one. Damian Williams stepped into a starring role. So with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out, I just don't think it matters. Deficits don't matter for the Chiefs. Moving on, sticking with the AFC, the Baltimore Ravens. Peaking right now. I think you forget this team is 11-5 and five because there was a lull. There was a time in the regular season where everybody was about the Steelers. Wow, are they red hot, leading the division. Other things started to happen around the league that focused attention away from Baltimore. I don't think it's coincidental. They started playing poorly when Lamar came off COVID. I don't think he had recovered from that. But what you may not know about the Ravens is that their point differential of 165 is the best in the National Football League, and they are a juggernaut on the ground. Lamar is fun. Like that's really yeah, I mean, that's, that's good. That's, you nailed it. When it comes to Lamar Jackson, when you take a look outside the Packers, I enjoy watching Baltimore Ravens games because Lamar has the potential to do something that you haven't seen since Michael Vick. And he's probably a better passer than Vic is as well. He doesn't get a, nearly enough credit, in my opinion, for some of the passes that he makes. But the touchdown that run that he had of 48 yards this last week in the wild card round, I mean, he just made guys who are in the NFL and very, very fast look very, very slow. Like, he just kind of steps up in the pocket. Okay, he's going to get hit. It was Wait. defended, too. Like, okay. <laughs> they had it. How did, how did, okay, they didn't tackle him there. Then he starts just running away from the linebacker. Okay, he's got, okay, I guess he doesn't have the angle. And, and next thing you know, he's just gone. And it doesn't look as if he's trying that hard. He's just that fast, and it looks effortless. And to me, it's a ton of fun to watch. Um, I, I, I think they've got a really good chance going into Buffalo. And I think now that Lamar has that monkey off of his back in terms of, oh, he can't win a playoff game. It was two games. Let's relax. He's also, you know, a league MVP still on his rookie contract. Uh, I think they've got a really good chance against Buffalo. That's probably the game I'm going to pay attention to the most. It could be potentially be the most fun game to watch. Um, but I think Baltimore is a team that, you're right, Greg, they are peaking. They are hot at the right time. Headed back to the NFC, but headed south, the New Orleans Saints. <sighs> I'm Defense is underrated. Now, everybody wants to talk about this offense and what they've been able to do. The offense didn't impress me last week. I mean, they finally got all their weapons back. But it, Michael Thomas, a year off of setting the NFL receptions record and being the best receiver in the league, I mean, he had some issues this season outside of even punching his own teammate that got him suspended. <laughs> right, right. Um, but he didn't have a touchdown catch in the regular season. Now, he wasn't a big part of this offense. Alvin Kamara, fantastic. Drew Brees, fun to watch. But I think this defense is better than a lot of people want to give it credit for. And the defense is actually, to me, what's really carried this team. Uh, we do have a check on the scoreboard here. Yes, underrated is one word. Not even hyphenated. Gabe was within his limits. Very well done. <laughs> For the Saints, I have most talented roster. I believe that. I think they are the most talented roster in the NFC. Maybe in the NFL. They added Quan Alexander to the defense. They found a way to get after the quarterback. You forget Kamara's a third-round pick. They use Taysom Hill in weird ways. Sometimes it works, sometimes it backfires, admittedly. Thomas is back and healthy. Even their backups are pretty solid. Emmanuel Sanders always seems to have a good game when it comes to be playoff time. I, they are pretty loaded. It does not mean I think they can come to Green Bay and win, because I don't. Because they have a noodle-armed quarterback who has to be taken off the field anytime they want to go deep. And the Saints lost at Philadelphia in a cold-weather game. They lost at Carolina. Cold weather and grass. 
Not a good combination for a team built for speed, but I do believe their roster is the most talented roster. And the next opponent of the Saints, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Can't beat Saints. As simple as that. 72-26 in two games of the regular season. I know the old adage of, hey, it's tough to beat a team three times in the playoffs, especially when that third game is in the playoffs. Well, not when the team is significantly better than the other. And I don't know if that's the case here, but the Buccaneers will have to do something they haven't been able to do. Jekyll and Hyde. This team, to me, is just so up and down. They probably played their best complete game of the season against the Packers when they trounced them 38-10. to But this is also a team that lost to the Bears. This is a team last week that should have blown out the Washington football team and did not. That game was a, a game for a lot longer than it, than it should have been. And Taylor Heineke was playing quarterback for the Washington football team. That was fun. (laughs) He was dropping dimes. It was a lot of fun to watch. On board. But this is a team that defensively has been dominant, and then they they just kind of disappear. Even when you look at Tom Brady's line from a week ago, he threw for over 350 yards, but he was 22 of 40. Like, that's not what you're expecting in terms of completion percentage and efficiency. This team kind of rides that roller coaster and can be up and down. They they played a tight game against the Saints in week one. Then they got their doors blown off, you know, blown off 38-3 to the second time around. They're just an up and down team that you don't know who's going to show up week to week. Next up, I'm excited for your answers on this one. The Cleveland Browns. Uh, feel good over. I mean, this is a feel-good team, <laughs> but they are going up against a budsaw in in the Kansas City Chiefs. And I, I I love just the general aesthetic that the Browns are putting out there. I really like Baker Mayfield. I think he is the best actor that the NFL has to offer to us today. Those progressive commercials are fantastic. I love that he wanted to stick it to Colin Cowherd by putting his hat on backwards because, oh, he can't be a leader with a backwards hat. Um they're a young, exciting team. They won a playoff game for the first time since 1994. The defense is incomplete. They still gave up a ton of points and a ton of yards last week. This is just, it's its going to be tough for them to go into Kansas City and win. But I think they have a good base to build off of. Run the ball. Run the ball. You want to beat the Chiefs? Run the ball. Leave Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines. Easier said than done? Well, maybe not. I don't find the Chiefs' defense to be all that alarming and earth-shattering. I think the Browns can run the ball. That offensive line is no joke, led by former Packers center J.C. Treader. 148 yards on the ground per game for the Browns. Just under five yards a carry with a two-headed monster, a receiving threat who's legit, and they got two starters and an all-world offensive line. You want to beat the Chiefs, you have to run the ball. Next up, the team that is the subject of this heartbreaking 30-for-30 on the TV right now, the Buffalo Bills. Allen, Diggs, and... There's a question mark there. Oh, sure. Because I don't know what the and is. They can't run. Zach Moss is out. It's Devin Singletary or Bust in the backfield. Allen's incredible. Diggs is incredible. Uh... Cole Beasley's second team All-Pro this year. Okay. He had over 1,000 yards receiving. I think you made my point. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what else there is. I, I Maybe another good three words would have been not their year. It's it's going in the right direction, but I think maybe a year too early. Allen is legit. Like The growth that Josh Allen, that those are my three words, the, the growth that we've seen from Josh Allen this year to become an MVP candidate is unlike anything I have ever seen. He came into the NFL with... Accuracy issues just wasn't very accurate. And there haven't been many examples of guys that 
had trouble with accuracy and turnovers that were able to turn it around. I mean, Josh Allen, the, the leaps that he made as a quarterback this year are unbelievable. He has been able to use that cannon that he has attached to the right side of his body, and he's been able to be accurate with it. He hasn't turned it over. He can run with the ball as well. If this is who Josh Allen is going to be going forward, he is one of the guys that can win the MVP and be one of the best players in the league year in and year out. I was shocked that he's been able to make it, and he's been a fun guy to watch. Uh, And he just very well may carry them to an AFC championship game. Rounding it out this Saturday's opponent, the Los Angeles Rams. All right, we'll go short here. The Rams, Jared is golfful. They can't score. That would be another three words. I just don't see it. This is The Rams season will end at Lambeau Field on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, offense is bad. I just don't. And I like some of the weapons they have. I like Robert Woods. I like Cooper Cup when Cooper Cup is healthy and you're not having to drain his knee every so often. Uh, Cam Akers has been good, but when Jared Goff is the guy that's going to make it go, I don't know how much Sean McVay trusts his quarterback. And when you don't trust your quarterback, you can only go so far. If the Rams were able to get to a Super Bowl just two seasons ago because everything fell into place. And I don't think everything is falling into place right now for the Los Angeles Rams. We've got one team left for our three-word game. It's the Green Bay Packers. We will give our three-word answer coming up on the other side with Packers reporter and ESPN Wisconsin's Jason Wilde after this. Rodgers takes, fakes the handoff, lofts it right side, and he's got the big dog for a touchdown. Mercedes Lewis, wide open right corner of the end zone. Good play, fakes, opened it up for the big guy. And he's got a second touchdown reception of the season. Three-word game continues here on our Packers playoff preview. I'm Greg Matzik along with Gabe Neitzel, hitting us up on the text line from a variety of areas. Don't get covid Beating bad teams, trust in Aaron, poetry in motion, TB, blew out Packers. I think that's cheating from the 651. Need better referees. Your three words to describe the Green Bay Packers season. 855-616-1620. Let's bring him in. He's been covering the Packers for the better part of two decades. The better half of Wilde and Tausch. At least that's what I tell him. Now we love him. Our good friend from ESPN Wisconsin is Jason Wilde. Hi, Jason. Hello, Greg, Gabe. That's three words. You did well. You did well. I don't know that that it accurately describes the Packers season. Can you be that succinct in describing the Packers season? Three words. How would you do it? I can. I can and I will. Just for you. (laughs) Rogers motivated mission. Uh, We were talking to Nathaniel Hackett yesterday And he finally articulated what I think we all knew and what I kind of felt like I was ahead of the curve on just because of what you would hear him say and the way he would say it. Nathaniel Hackett said it point blank. He's been a man on a mission. And we look at the way he's played, the way he has really embraced this offense and played within the constraints of it at times and then ad-libbed when it made the most sense. The way he has been a teammate, the way he has talked about, we always hear Homer say the quarterback of love, but this kind of self-actualization that he's achieved, this has been as focused and as hell-bent on winning as I've ever seen him, and you know how competitive he is. So uh, Rogers' motivated mission is my three-word description. Mine's very similar, Jason. Uh, Mine was uh, Rogers' revenge tour. 
Um, and I don't think it had anything to do. It's it's an it's a convenient narrative if you want to throw the Jordan Love pick in there being motivated motivational for him. He has said it hasn't for so long. But I think some of no, the other now Gabe. Gabe, let me interrupt you there, Okay, and I don't usually do that. But here's the thing, and Rodgers is a master of this. I've never come across a player who's better at this, frankly, and I've even corresponded with him about this because he knows I know he's full of you-know-what when he does that. Every time he's been asked about Jordan Love and the motivation that's come from it, what has he said? I don't need any extra motivation. That is not the same as, no, I'm not motivated by them picking Jordan Love. He didn't need extra motivation. What he leaves unsaid is, but they gave it to me. Don't let him fool you. He has been motivated by that all year, and he has delivered on that revenge tour. So I think yours is even better than mine. Yeah, because, I mean, some of the other outside noise, whether it goes back to, you know, two years ago and in, in, in the story, you know, with uh, Murphy reportedly, which didn't happen, calling him saying, don't be the problem, or the, it, for whatever reason, creeping back up this year, oh, can Aaron Rodgers still get along with Matt LaFleur? And, oh, is Aaron Rodgers still as good as he once was when you take a look at the numbers that he put up last year? I think he hears that outside noise as well, which is what factored into my revenge tour being two of my three words. Uh, mine is an underappreciated story, and I think an undercovered story. Playing for DeGuara. Isn't this all about Josiah DeGuara? First ACL tear of the year. It's early in the season. The Packers are playing for DeGuara. This entire playoff run and the run to the Super Bowl for their rookie tight end, H-back, F-back, whatever they want to call him. So, like that 2010 season when it was uh, win it for Woodson. Yes. Or in 14 when they were playing to get Poor Julius Peppers, who never won a ring, a ring, and then he told Morgan Burnett to lay down, and the rest is history. They're all. This is all for. Th- isn't there like a? Doesn't like Sister Hazel sing a song? It's all for you. <laughs> yeah, this is all for you, it. Josiah. Yes, the, uh, Mark Murphy will hold the Lombardi Trophy in Tampa and say, "This one's for Josiah." I anticipate that happening. <laughs> Uh, my first answer I'm glad was. You're taking your own topic uh, seriously. <laughs> uh, my first answer was MVP, but I didn't want to be too similar to what you guys had said, so I, I went a different route. Uh, it was a backup. Slightly, you definitely did. Uh, Slightly different. <laughs> uh, we asked Wayne this earlier in the program. Wayne uh, and Jason, hello. Uh, is the Packers? There is your dagger. I did. It rolled right off the tongue. Is the Packers' defense being overlooked? I get the strength versus strength storyline, and it's interesting, and it will be interesting to watch play out. I just get feeling that guys like Jair Alexander are saying, hey, well, guess what? We've been been pretty damn good at home, especially allowing fewer than 20 points a game. Yeah, they've been pretty darn good all year, frankly. Obviously, they had some issues early, but look, this is all about what you do in the postseason, and Mike Pettin said it to us the other day. You're only as good as your last performance, and their last performance in the postseason is what everyone remembers. It doesn't matter that they were ninth in total defense this year, the first time that they've been in the top 10 since 2010. It doesn't matter that they tied for 13th in scoring defense. It doesn't matter that over the last six games, they allowed 18.5 points per game, which is the same number as the Rams led allowed all year in leading the NFL in scoring defense. None of that matters. They know that they have to put up or shut up in this game and then 
for them, hopefully the game after that, and gets them to a Super Bowl. But they are definitely being underlooked in terms of the buildup to this game. The question is, well, how will they be viewed afterward? Tausch, who is definitely the better half of Wilde and Tausch, predicted that we will be talking about that defense instead of the Rams' defense. I'm eager to find out if he's right. What about this Rams team scares you going into the game? What do you think could be an area where the Packers struggle? Well, I do think that they're a really, really good defense. Aaron Donald, even if he's going to have whatever rib issues are still lingering after his injury uh, against Seattle, he can wreck a game. The Packers have experienced that firsthand. I think he sacked Rodgers twice when they played each other in 2018. Different coach, different system, different circumstances, but... He is a fantastic player, and I really want to see, because we've seen a couple of teams successfully remove Devontae Adams from the equation, at least for large swaths of games, despite how great he was. So I really want to see how effectively they move him around and get him the football. I do think that the Rams are capable of putting together the kind of defensive game plan that makes this a 27-24 type game. Uh, and maybe that they count on Mason Crosby to win it at the end. But again, this is this is strength against strength. But at the same time, maybe it'll be the two lesser known sides, the Packers defense and an offense that is not as awful as we are making it out to be. I just don't know. The wild card for me is how Jared Goff is going to play coming back from the thumb and playing in cold weather. That, I think, is a, a major story. The Rams can defend. They can stop teams from scoring, but uh, can they score enough uh, to beat a team, especially like Green Bay, and especially on the road where I, it's, you know, whatever, it's going to be 20, 24 degrees, not terribly windy, not a bad January day to play football. Uh, meanwhile, unseasonably warm in Los Angeles where the Rams have been practicing all week, and Jared Goff has had a glove on his hand to try and simulate what he'll be having on his hand, I think. Uh, through the game on Saturday afternoon. I, the Rams have found a little something with their running back, Jason. Is Cam Akers all of a sudden the focus, much like it was Derrick Henry with the Titans? I, I don't want to put him in the same category, but you stop Derrick Henry or slow him down, it's going to be a lot easier to stop the Titans. Is that now the case with the Rams? I do think it is. Now, we'll see what kind of player Cooper Cup is. He obviously had the little knee injury at the end of the Seattle game. He's listed as questionable but expected to play. Their pass game is capable of putting up points if Jared Goff, if, say, good Jared, kind of like good Mitch and bad Mitch in Chicago, shows up. But, yes, Cam Akers, you know, for a rookie to put up 176 total yards of offense, 131 rushing yards in his playoff debut, he was terrific last week against what seemed to be a Seattle defense that was kind of getting its act together. The bottom line for the Packers is whether or not the two Smiths can continue to do what they say they are going to do and what they certainly did against Derrick Henry, and that is focus on setting the edges against the run. They failed miserably against San Francisco last year in the NFC Championship game. It is not their favorite thing to do. It was a big topic for us throughout the week with Mike Smith, their position coach, they have not been great at that throughout their time in Green Bay, but they were great at it against Derrick Henry. And if they can commit to that, the dirty work, not the glamorous sack the quarterback work, that gives the Packers an excellent chance to shut down Akers and win the game. How under, and I guess this is a leading question, Jason, but I feel like the safeties are underrated. 
I just feel that we talk about Jair, we talk about Kenny Clark, he got the big contract, and the Smiths. But especially during the six-game winning streak to end the season, I feel like Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage may be playing their best football in Packer uniforms. No, I think you're right with your leading question, Jack McCoy. And I would say this. I did watch Law & Order before I came here, Jason. It's on Sundance. It's on right now up against you guys, but you guys are more important. Um, Look, the the fact of the matter is, is that Adrian Amos doesn't want you to talk about him. He is, I wrote a story on him earlier this week in the State Journal. He is the quintessential team before self guy, and he has played really well. You don't see him make mistakes. He played 98% of the snaps. Uh, You know, Darnell Savage is still a growing player. He's going through some great moments. And he still has some growing pains, just like Nick Collins once did. But Adrian Amos is that steady force in the back end that allows all the rest of those guys to make plays. He's made a few plays himself. I totally agree, Gabe. He is an underappreciated guy, but that's kind of how he likes it. Waiver claim who will have the greatest impact on the Packers postseason, positive or negative? Well, I feel positive or negative is also kind of leading. I, well, I had to throw in the negative because I, I just hope tomorrow's testing goes well. I, I guess we'll leave yeah. it at that. I was uh, I was not going to take it positive or negative because the impact is definitely Jared Veld here, and and it was really interesting. Um, in October, we had a Zoom call with Billy Turner, and I asked him a little bit about how their meetings were going in our media auditorium because the offensive line had moved there and he gave me grief he's like you guys are slobs you left it messy and i wanted to say dude we haven't been in there since january the slobs are you but as it turns out slobby or not that has been potentially a season ending move or a season changing move that they made to put all those big fellas in our media auditorium because it allows them to be really far apart. They're not even sitting two to a row, and they're able to be. Billy Turner told us today, you have to get up and walk across the room to be by another one of your teammates. And so Jared Veld here was in that room on Tuesday. He was on the practice field. The fact that they were able to wear their masks, socially distance, and do everything they needed to, the fact that they don't have, at this point, another positive test or a high-risk close contact is in large part because they have followed the protocols because Jared Veldheer's arrival, if they weren't following the rules and they weren't wearing masks and they were too close together in meetings, could have been the death knell of their season. Check about 9 to noon. Wildy and Tausch on ESPN Wisconsin. Packers reporter Jason Wildy. Appreciate you, bud. Thanks so much. There's your dagger. All right, boys. Take care. Be good. <laughs> you do the same. We will wrap up the program on the other side. It's our Packers playoff preview. More after this. Fake motion to the left. Rodgers fakes the handoff to Jones. Bootlegs to his right. Stops, looks, throws. End zone. Diving grab. Lazard. Wow. Touchdown! Wow. Lazard! They beat Mike Hughes, a tracer at point-blank range from Aaron Rodgers. A four-yard touchdown pass. Super Bowl champions, week schedule benefactor, communication, not distraction, go Pack Go. Three-word descriptions of the Green Bay Packers. Hit up the text line and our Twitter feed at 620WTMJ and ESPN Milwaukee. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to weigh in before the end of the program. Just a few minutes left. Time to look ahead to the schedule 
for this weekend, and it's Rams and Packers first out of the shoot on Saturday, followed by the Ravens and Bills. Sunday pits the Browns on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs, followed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at New Orleans Saints. Let's go reverse order. Gabe, the one team, we'll get to the Packers-Rams later, representing the NFC in the championship game. Of the teams playing in New Orleans this weekend, we'll start with the Buccaneers and Saints. I will say the New Orleans Saints are the team that comes out on top. For whatever reason, they just don't match up well, the Buccaneers, with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, New Orleans has been able to score on that defense in both of their previous matchups. And yes, the old adage of it's tough to beat a team three times during a season. I mean, we've seen that with the Packers at times. They lost to the Minnesota Vikings a few years ago in the postseason. Um, I guess it's more than a few years ago at this point. But... I just don't see Tampa Bay with the way they've been up and down uh, going into New Orleans and beating the Saints. Uh, the Saints didn't play their best game against the uh, against the Bears last week, I think, offensively, but I think they bounced back this week. I think the Buccaneers have drawn confidence playing bad teams and exploding on offense. Uh, I am more worried about the defense. Uh, they have, I think, fallen apart since that game against Green Bay uh, and become a, a unit you can score on. Also, the thing that, that makes me wonder about Tampa Bay is, boy, they love to push the ball downfield. And that is not easy against the Saints given their pass rush. I think the Saints come out of this with a win, and I think they will come to Lambeau Field, spoiler alert, for the NFC Championship game. Let's go Browns and Chiefs. That'll be the first game on Sunday with a 205 kick. Browns are certainly the feel-good story of this NFL playoffs, winning their first playoff game since 1994. Um, you know, going and, and beating you know a team in the Pittsburgh Steelers that's beaten them up so many times over the course of the last number of years. They just don't have it what it takes. I mean, you need to have a defense that can at least slow down um, what the, the 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 Chiefs want to do, and they there are defensive. There's defensive talent on that side of the ball for the Browns. It just doesn't always show up, and you need to have a consistent force to slow down the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. The Browns aren't going to be able to do it. Chiefs going to the AFC Championship game once again. I don't think the Chiefs are playing their best football, and this week off is either going to help them or hurt them. But as we've seen before and as we've stated, a deficit really doesn't matter for the Chiefs given their explosive nature on offense. If the Browns can run the ball, if they can get 200 yards on the ground or more, and I know that's a monster total, but I think that's what it's going to require for them to win because passing the football, trying to keep up with Patrick Mahomes, well, Baker did it at Oklahoma when Mahomes <laughs> is at Texas Tech. I've never seen a game like that in my life. I think there was over 1,100 yards just cool. passing in that game. But this is a much different animal here on Sunday in Kansas City. Bills and Ravens, very intriguing matchup, the night game on Saturday. I think this is the game that it's going to be the closest. I think it's going to be the best game because the Bills are playing so well offensively. I know uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, what do they have beyond Stephon Diggs? I think Cole Beasley is somebody that they have. But the way the Ravens can control the game on the ground, whether that's turning around, handing it off to the bevy of running backs they have, or Lamar Jackson keeping it himself. I think that the Ravens, we're, we're going to get the AFC Championship game this year that we were all hoping for a year ago in Kansas City and Baltimore. I think Baltimore is the team that goes in and and, and upsets the Buffalo Bills this weekend. This will be the run one road team, I think, that's going to come away this weekend with a victory. And final thoughts here, 30 seconds on the Packers and Rams. 
I, I just don't see the Rams being able to score enough points. I think the Packers' offense will be slowed a little bit, but they've played some good defenses, still been able to score. Packers win this weekend to go to the NFC Championship game. I think the Packers get it done. They are six and a half, seven point favorites. Uh, that line did not change. I think the thought all along was that Jared Goff was going to be the starter. I, I just think it's a, it becomes a math problem when you face the Packers. You better be able to score 30 to beat Aaron Rodgers, especially at Lambeau Field. It's not something many teams have been able to do. So I think the Packers walk away with the win, and they will host the New Orleans Saints the following week in the NFC Championship game. I want to thank Wayne Larravee for joining us, former Packers Hall of Famer Mark Tauscher and Jason Wildey on the program. Gabe, thank you for being a part of this show. Always fun. Hope we can do another one here as uh, we glide toward target tampa the super bowl being played in tampa florida in just a few weeks we are out of time in tonight's program enjoy the rest of your night and enjoy the game on saturday afternoon